Welcome to the Pacific Forest Foundation's Talking Timber, where each week you meet the professionals behind the Northwest timber industry. Hi, and welcome. I'm Diane Mettler, Executive Director of the Pacific Logging Congress and your host of Talking Timber. In this episode of Talking Timber, part two, with Ray Hopped, Commissioner of District 5, Siskiyou County, California, he's gonna be talking to us about his career in the Forest Service. In the meantime, I want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation, who are also doing some amazing educational things like this podcast. Both organizations are dedicated to sound, technical forest education. Also, we want to welcome our sponsor, Timber West Magazine, the West's leading forestry magazine. You can subscribe now for free by just going to their website, www.forestnet.com. Okay. Now let's hear from Ray and how he worked on the Northwest Forest Plan, as well as opportunities for the next generation. So, yeah, and I couldn't see that changing around in a, with the life I had left in my professional career at the agency. So I left it, um, but I didn't quit. Yep. Uh, the, <laughs> the next four years, uh, I found myself... Uh, Searching for some things to do, I worked a great deal with the House Natural Resource Committee. Uh, worked on about 12 or 14 different bills, legislative bills, and actually wrote one complete bill uh, for a different way to manage public lands uh, for timber outputs. Wow. And uh, uh, Jack Ward Thomas and I worked together quite a bit on some of that stuff, um, as well as uh, House Al Wasser before he passed. Those two men influenced me more than anybody in my career. Uh, how, um, so? how so? Well, you know, I've spent a lot of time uh, in Northwest Forest Plan Review with Jack and knowing the insides of, of that. And and uh, it's a completely different story than, than the public sees uh, because it was political. Okay. And I've, you know, I've written several white papers on uh, the failures of uh, Clinton's executive order, uh, also the failures of the Endangered Species Act, and why it doesn't act, why it doesn't work today. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it, uh, you know, one of it, a lot of that piece. Uh, you know, I spent time in the field with Jack uh, in 2002. He did a Northwest Forest Plan review for Jack Ward, for uh, Jack Blackwell, who was the regional forester, and. And I spent a week with him in the field uh, doing that work. Okay. And then uh, when I when I retired, we we became pretty good friends, and uh, we worked together with the agency too several times in Sacramento. Uh, you know, looking at the Northwest Forest Plan and looking at what needed to change and and those kinds of things. Um, I also worked uh, quite a bit with um, the National Fire Training Center in okay. Sacramento, and I taught I taught down there quite a bit. Uh, before I retired. So, like I said, when I retired, I, I branched out a bit, worked with Congress a lot uh, because I, I could then. The um, I am a, I'm the science chair for the uh, National Wildfire Institute, which is a collection of uh, pretty highly motivated Forest Service retirees like myself with uh, fire backgrounds law enforcement backgrounds and some uh, there's a couple of retired chiefs that are part of that. And uh, we do policy work at 
uh, that we submit uh, to the agency at the highest levels, and we work with the congressional committees doing that kind of work. The um, uh, the other group I work with from time to time is the National Association of Forest Service Retirees, NAFSER. Okay. And uh, they, they do the same similar kind of thing. Um, I taught college for four years, uh, forest sciences. Okay. At a local college here, and I, I partnered with a friend of mine who was uh, the local mill manager, a forester who who was retired, and uh, we put together a uh, forest science transfer program that was uh, feeding students to Humboldt State. Okay. And uh, I was I was teaching uh, forest ecology, uh, forest mensuration, uh, dendrology, and uh, forest hydrology. So was this kind of a fresh, a breath of fresh air after doing getting out of the political side or the yeah. you know heavy heavy yeah. association side? It, it was really rewarding to um, inspire new students and uh, you know some some bright young minds and and teach them some of the things about problem solving that uh, that I thought I had a pretty good handle on. Um, and give them a uh, perspective, actually, of a uh, way of teaching that they hadn't seen before, which was early in my career. I mean, Cal Poly's motto is learn by doing. And uh, they, they hadn't experienced a hands-on instructor uh, like Jim and I before. And that was that was pretty rewarding. And the, unfortunately, the, it was a, a grant program that ran out. And, uh, and uh, I was toward the end there, I was thinking, what am I going to do next? You know, because... Yeah, you know, I get I get bored and I got endless <laughs> energy. <laughs> so I I decided to run for office, and uh, largely because uh, the economy of this county is is awful. And and which county are you in to let folks know? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm in Siskiyou County, California. Okay. Uh, Prior to the listing of Spotted Owl, our county uh, as an economic powerhouse and, and, and a, by all other demographics, our county was in the top three. Okay. And we, we currently are in the bottom three. And uh, what was once $8.5 million worth of budget to the school system uh, with, the, with the harvesting of timber and the 25% tax receipts, uh, is now a what I call a welfare payment, uh, you know, the PILT payment from the federal government of about three and a half million. Okay. So our students have students have suffered, the roads have suffered, and of course, uh, you know, when you make a payment from the federal government, it's not like generating that same amount of revenue off the production and sale of logs, yes. uh, because that trickles through the economy and a lot of a lot of complexity rather than just uh, making a few payments to a few few individuals. Mm-hmm. So um, I decided to wade into politics and maybe I could make a difference and maybe I'd get a bigger voice, if you will, to, to talk about the things I knew that needed to be changed. Yeah. Um, so I'm in, uh, I'm in my sixth year of the second half of my second term. Uh, it's, it's been interesting. It's, uh, it's more problem solving than politics at this level, which suits me pretty well. And, and you ran for what office that you got? A county supervisor, which is a commissioner, the commissioner, there's five commissioners in the county. 
my my district is western Siskiyou County. It's uh, largely public lands. Okay. It has uh, we, the, the entire county land base is 62% uh, in federal ownership, either Forest Service or, or BLM. Okay. And my district is closer to 80%. Okay. And my communities um, are stay afloat either by logging and uh, or by agriculture. So the, the commissioner job suits me pretty well in that uh, all the challenges pretty much for the industries in this county are, are natural resource issues okay. uh, for which I have the background uh, to work on. So I, yeah, I spend definitely. a lot of time, yeah, spend a great deal of my time working on water issues, uh, wildfire issues, um, public land management, and uh supporting the timber industry locally to keep them uh, clear of the clutter that could happen uh, at the local level anyway. How, how are you feeling? Are you doing a, you feeling like you have a bigger voice and it's working? I've had, you know, I've had a blast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've, uh, you know, some things are frustrating. Uh, it's California after all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, I've, uh, I've been able to engage the, um, Governor's uh, Forest Health Task Force. Uh, I was appointed by the local CAL FIRE unit as a northern rep okay. on that, uh, where I can use some influence there. And, and truthfully, uh, the governor's task force didn't know much of anything about fire behavior prior to some of the educational things that I've done with them to educate them on landscape oh. fire behavior. Um, I was able to, uh, I got an invitation to the White House a couple of years ago, uh, went into, didn't know quite what it was all about, but uh, the Trump administration invited county commissioners back there uh, if they wanted to come. And uh, out of 200 invitees in the round that I went to the White House, only 50 accepted. Wow. Um, glad, glad I did. I got, I got uh, FaceTime with the secretaries, uh, the undersecretaries back there spent the whole week in wow. Washington, D.C. and and met Donald Trump um, at that at that visit. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, and more recently, uh, the town of Happy Camp, um, we lost a considerable part of the, the town in a wildfire this summer. Yeah. And uh, being pretty frustrated with the forest pieces, um, uh, I got an invitation from the White House to meet with the president uh, in Sacramento in September. I traveled down there and sat uh, at a roundtable discussion with him and Governor Newsom on what needed to be done in forests. And it was a rather quick meeting on camera, but there were quite a bit of interaction uh, behind the scenes where I got to talk about fire behavior and forest management and how they're linked together. And it's also linked uh, to the water yield and the uh, agricultural production in in the West. Hi, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress, as well as Timber West Magazine. This year, the Pacific Forest Foundation raised over $62,000 for their 2021 educational programs including thousands of dollars it will be awarding in scholarships. 
If you or someone you know will be attending a college or trade school focused on a forest industry career and would like to apply, just visit www.pacificforestfoundation.org. Okay, back to Ray and some about forest fires and also opportunities in the forest industry. Did you get, feel like you had an impact? Well, I, I know they got the message. I, I saw the governor on the stump uh, at, a, at a fire the, the next day and the first time he ever talked about forest management. Okay. And he was doing that. Um, I saw my president on a morning show and then I saw him on another uh, TV talk show where he talked about some guy who sounded like a professor that he met that was talking about forest management. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so, <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, that, it's probably the highlight of, of anything I've done. I, uh, you know, personally, uh, my wife, my wife and I met in high school, you know, we've been married for 43 years. Uh, wow. We raised three, three great kids. Uh, both of my boys are foresters. Um, one manages region one's timber program for the forest service. The other is, uh, back on the forest I came off of in Florida managing the timber program for the forest. And, uh, my daughter, uh, is the only one who escaped, uh, forestry. <laughs> she, <laughs> although she was a hot shot for a while, um, wow. she, <laughs> she, uh, just finished a degree from, Georgetown University, and she's a nurse practitioner. Oh, wow. So, you guys yeah. did a nice job with the kids. Proud, um, proud of our kids, proud of our family. And I have a brother-in-law who manages uh, for a uh, timber milling company in Washington State. Oh, okay. So I was going to say, seeing where your kids have gone, um, you would probably then say there's a lot of opportunities for the next generation who want to get into the forest industry. Is that right there are there are and i i can point to a couple things um and, and you know they're both private and public right now okay. we're, we're we're starved for foresters and um and some of the other natural resource uh degrees okay. i jim and i were able to place you know not every student but every student who was um uh, hireable, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every one of them uh, had a job here locally every year out, out of that program, and uh, industry needed more. Uh, there's, unfortunately, you know, politically, what's been going on with the industry? We've been in a in a decline in the political favor, if you will, for probably thirty years, and uh, because of that. We don't find a lot of people going into it, but we're on an upswing at this point, I believe, because fire is forcing our hands that we're going to do management of some form or fashion, uh, largely around fire and fuels and fire behavior. But uh, that takes some technical skills that are in shortage right now. And they're in shortage both in private and public uh, land management. I, I see a couple of things. Uh, my boys are starting to venture into some pretty high-tech things, uh, uh, density management in forests using GPS on the uh, right in the cab of the feller buncher mm -hmm. uh, rather than the old way of marking things and everything else. Uh, so there's some technical skills I don't have, and uh, you know there'll be a challenge. One of the things I want to 
speak about too is that a um, couple things going on that I see coming up. One, uh, the Forest Service, because of its its current lack of personnel, and uh, I I believe it's going to transition back to where it was probably 100 years ago, which was mainly a, a few focused individuals that work for the agency rather than a big workforce, maybe outside of fire. Fire probably still about the same. But uh, they're going to start contracting a lot more. So there's going to be a lot more jobs for uh, contracting professionals individually to get the work, to get the work done. The um, the other th- thing I see coming is uh, when I wrote that bill on forest management, I want to talk a little bit about why the ESA doesn't work and what that bill uh, was going to do. The ESA is predicated on – the ESA in its basic principles is predicated on holding everything static on the land. Okay. I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a big uh, natural disturbance ecology guy. You know, and I, <laughs> nothing in this world, nothing in this in this world biologically is static. So, how the, the the challenge is how do you manage for things that you can't predict? Hmm. Well, there's there's a number of ways to do that, and one um, I see coming is a, a change in the way the Endangered Species Act is managed currently. It's largely a bean canning exercise of so many acres of this, so many acres of that, and in that specific location. Yeah. The bill I wrote didn't do that. What it did is it, it recognized disturbance in historic disturbance regimes, like in Northern California, it's about 25% of the land is always in early seral stage. Okay. And that was just that was just a function of fire. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You can't replicate on the landscape, on public lands, and I understand private industry does those things a little different because of the, the economic piece. But on public lands, if you if you wanted to go back to this so-called natural state, uh, the Endangered Species Act is a barrier to allowing that to happen because it requires you to have a specific tree in a specific place in perpetuity. Okay. What I, what I proposed was using GIS. Uh, in this bill that I wrote was to manage on a landscape scale and that you would perpetuate the 25% openness within a watershed over time, but that location of it would change. And it it was more important to keep the proportions uh, similar to historic within a watershed rather than on the actual acre. And I, yeah, and I think there's, you know, there's a lot more to be said about that, and I, I know there's a lot more research coming uh, that's going to be pushing uh, toward that kind of management. So that that would open up a great deal, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I the, actually, I was going to ask that you're, you kind of already segued right into it, kind of where you saw things going in the future, and um, but I would guess you probably see things becoming more technically savvy too. Is uh, for the yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think I think GIS and modeling, um, those aspects are going to be more prevalent uh, as we try to manage toward a desired outcome. Uh, water is obviously a big challenge, and, and uh, some climate change work, uh, which is going to require us to uh, do a lot of fire behavior modification modeling. Uh, yeah. It'll 
cause us to look at forest densities in the right place, uh, as well as looking at, at tree species compositions that would m maybe sustain the bridge uh, to whatever climate we're bridging to. Okay. The uh, carbon sequestration, I think, is going to be critically important if we can get a, away from the ideology about, um, you know, not managing a forest uh, because that's the best way to lock it up. Actually, that's that's the worst way because uh, we're losing too much of the forested landscape as a result of that kind of thinking. Yeah. The other the other thing that uh, is going to be foremost in the future is water yield, and okay. uh, I. I, I partnered uh, the second year after I retired, uh, the Wildfire Institute and I am uh, partnered with UC Davis, uh, or excuse me, not UC Davis, UC uh, Berkeley and UC Merced. And we did some forest density uh, study work here locally. And we're, you know, it's, the composition has changed greatly over the years. Back in, we could go the furthest back we could go was 1935 because of uh, you know, aerial photography and those kind of things. So we took the 1935 snapshot, which is a good one here in California, because that's also the same year the Forest Service ordered the cessation of range burning okay. uh, across the landscape. So we we've forecasted that we, we took a look at that the species compositions and the densities from then to now and most of our watersheds today are currently much much younger in trees the diameter has shifted you know dramatically from the 60 inch plus uh, down to an average probably somewhere around 24. Okay. but more importantly we've changed to a white fur component at four times the density of what that land carried uh, back in the 30s. It's not a secret uh, why these fires are doing what they're doing, uh, regardless of what the climate. I mean, climate's a tipping point, but uh, it just predisposes all of this unmanaged vegetation to more uh, catastrophic fire results. So there's there's some big challenges for the next generation, too. You know, I... I I've had an amazing career. I really have. And uh It sounds like it. Wow. I had the freedom. I had a freedom a freedom to do a lot of things and uh you know it was uh today's world's a little more cluttered with you know regulation and absolutes and and uh and actually the fear to try new things. And uh, I'm glad I didn't have that in at least the first half of my career. Um I Fire was a big piece of my career, too. I mean, I, I fought a lot of fire. I uh, was burned over oh, one yeah. time. And, uh, you know, worked uh, worked in the woods on, on lots of fires. I also did some other things that were kind of interesting, too. Back in the 70s and early 80s, uh, Congress was wrestling with the Rare Two uh, legislation. And I did the forest inventory work for a lot of a lot of that. Uh, those places that hadn't been wow. entered before. So I have a snapshot in my head of what this, what the forest looked like then versus what it looks like now, and it it just makes me aghast um, of the of the change. And uh, anyhow, it's uh, it's it's really been rewarding. It's been you know yeah, lots of fun. it sounds like it. And um, you, of anybody I've talked to, I think you've done more things in your years there than 
10 people combined. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't tell you this, but you know, one time I was the most litigated ranger in California too. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot of uh, litigation skills because I was always trying to get things done. And, and uh, you know, a certain perspective didn't like that much. And they were trying to beat me down. It didn't work, it appears, so. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I, my family, uh, I have a lot of coal okay. miners in the family. And, you know, they're, they're a pretty rugged <laughs> bunch. Uh, so <laughs> no, we don't give no. up easy. <laughs> so you're you seem considering you ran up against a lot of challenges. It kind of sounds like you're pretty optimistic about the future of forestry. Then I am. Uh, the one thing I know is trees aren't going anywhere. <laughs> They're going to be here, you know. And and if the fires today don't prove to you that something needs to be done to to manage them, um, yep. you're burning dead. <laughs> We want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation, the Pacific Logging Congress, and Timber West Magazine for making this podcast possible. And most importantly, we want to give a big thanks to Ray for taking time out to be part of Talking Timber. Until next time, take care. <laughs>